Welcome to Unaborted with Seth Gruber. Thank you guys for tuning in today. Hey, we are almost at the election. This is going to be the most important election for the unborn. And so we are moving to do two episodes a week leading up to the election just to give you more tools of thought and arrows in your quiver so that you can defend life and persuade your fellow Americans, friends and family members to go to the polls and vote for life next week. So we wanted to bring you this special episode with Pastor Jack Hibbs from Calvary Chapel Chino Hills and myself on his recent program, Real Life with Jack Hibbs. And we discuss the topic of whether abortion is merely a political issue or a biblical issue and how Christians ought to think through this issue and how the Bible demands a political response to state-sanctioned genocide. So I hope you enjoy this program. Listen, give us a rating and review if you haven't already. We are now showing up in the top 100 in the news commentary charts for iTunes podcasts. That's really great. That means more and more people are going to see our show and hopefully click on it, listen to it, and get exposed to pro-life ideas that they've maybe never been exposed to before. So would you do that for us? Scroll down to the bottom of this podcast. Give us five stars. Leave us a review as well. Let us know what you think. And if you want to support this show so that we can continue doing two episodes a week and begin doing interactive content with people on the streets, go to patreon.com forward slash unaborted check out our tiers check out the perks you'll get pick a tier and sign up as a monthly supporter of our show thank you so much buckle up here we go hey everybody welcome to real life and we've got an excellent program life training institute is who seth gruber represents he's on the west coast and he's making a difference and all the more important because of this upcoming election but not only that let's be honest the pro-life issue is bigger than this election. Does this election have a lot to do with it? Oh yeah, but the life issue is perpetual. Until Christ comes for us, it's gonna be an issue. Seth, it's awesome to have you back with us. We don't have much time together. I wanna jump right into this. I'm gonna play devil's advocate on something. Okay. So Pastor Jack, you know what? We at our church or as a Christian, we don't talk about these things. We don't get involved in these things because uh, abortion, that's more of a political thing. And um, besides that, uh, the Bible tells us that we need to be obedient to our authorities and the government's the authority. Right, right. So we really avoid it. <clears throat> what would you tell uh, the church today, the Christian? What would you tell them? Because when I read Romans 13, also, I talk about, I see the authority of Scripture. That's right. And um, the authority that God has placed. But when does this local authority get trumped? No pun intended. Right. <laughs> with a greater authority, right. talk to us. Yeah, about yeah, it. yeah. Really good point <clears throat> because we're seeing this from a lot of Christian leaders right now, yes. right? Like Tim Keller, who Tim were Keller. saying that you actually don't have to act politically as a Christian to save children in the womb. In fact, in his recent viral scandalous Facebook post, he said that Christians have liberty of conscience to do whatever they want politically, That's to it. who to or not to vote for. It really doesn't matter. Despite the fact that in previous writings of his, most notably a very popular article in the New York Times called how do Christians fit into a two-party system? They don't. And in that piece, he defends what is inarguable, which we all believe, which is Jesus is not a Republican or Democrat. He's the king. He's a savior. But he moves from that premise that Christianity stands above politics. He moves from that premise to then say <clears throat> that when it comes to racial issues, we have a moral and political oh, obligation wow. to engage. But then he baits and switches in his recent post saying, but not on abortion, you don't have to. So in that piece, he literally says, to not be political is to be political. And he, he kind of rips into Christians in the church in the 1850s in America 
not for supporting the Democratic Party. He actually rips them just for saying you didn't act politically to help end slavery. So they were being apathetic towards the institution of slavery, right. which would presume that it would have been a greater moral wrong to use the political voice and tools you had to support the Democratic yeah, yeah. Party, the party of slavery. Yeah. But then on abortion, you would think, okay, well, abortion is wrong for the same reasons that slavery is wrong. They both legally deny rights of personhood to image bearers of God while dehumanizing them in order to justify right. their mistreatment. Right. You would think, well, Pastor Tim, they're wrong for the same reason. Surely they deserve the same political solutions in the restoration of personhood wow. and the protections therein? Yeah. No. So this silly idea that's taking root in evangelicalism is that it's a political issue. It's not a moral or spiritual one. And the, the only thing I can think to say to our brothers and sisters who say that, Pastor Jack, is either you don't know your Bible or you're, you're intentionally filtering out anything that might demand a political Don't response. you think that's it? I personally believe, maybe you're more kind than I am about this. Um, I personally believe that people look for that type of, type of Tim Keller statement to hide behind, to somehow find some balm That's right. for their guilty conscience because they didn't do anything. That's right. And the reason why I say it that way is because the scripture clearly states and also implies if you miss it, that you are the one that have the ability to speak up for the unborn or the case for those Proverbs 31 verse 8, for those who do not have the ability to defend themselves. That's I can't right. think of any greater look uh, an application than the unborn. If now a Christian leader says, you know what, your own conscience, your own conviction, your own liberty, you don't have to get involved in this stuff, to me is exactly what the enemy would love, the, that That's is right. the enemy of our soul, Satan, right. to give somebody a little salve, yeah. I don't have to get involved, and, mm -hmm. and they, they can ditch or duck yeah. this, this thing called politics. But yeah. the fact is, you're not going to get away from politics or religion because they're so intertwined. They're the two right. governing powers of our of our life, frankly. Yeah. Right. So, and you know what that really is, too, Pastor yeah. Jack. That's akin to Pilate doing this. Oh, good, good picture. Wash good my truth. hands. And did he know that what was happening to Christ was wrong? Absolutely. Yeah, but he went. I'm washing my hands of this. It's political. I don't want to have anything to yeah. do with it. And that is what so many American pastors are doing from their pulpit today is they're washing their hands of the blood of innocent children. But in fact, the blood is on their hands yeah, and it's getting all over the place. I heard someone say, a young, a young person say, well, you know, I'm pro-life, but I'm not pro uh, poor quality of life. Mm, right. So what I'm against is, okay, rah, rah, we get abortion abolished, you know, but now these kids are being born into a world right. where they just don't have a chance. They actually go from some sort of hypothesis in their mind, theory, to right. almost them being Lord. Yeah. Deciding who lives and who dies. Yeah, which yeah. to me is an incredible, right. almost, almost Adolf Hitler mode of thinking. Well, Can you talk Jack, about that? You don't want these children to have a difficult life. So if you really think about it, the compassionate Christian yeah. thing is to kill them before they're born. I mean, that's what they're yeah. saying. And, but see, just like the left does, they, they, they till their euphemistic soil mm -hmm. and they plant nasty seeds and nasty things grow. Yeah. 
right? They use these oh, silly, yeah. silly language and verbiage to describe their position. Right. Well, we don't, I mean, what about these children who are going to be poor and living in poverty? It's like, well, let's, you know, this is called reductio ad absurdum, where you take your opponent's argument and you go, let's follow it to its logical conclusion. Oh, slaughter children to spare them difficult life circumstances. Right. That's not compassionate. But then they do this weird thing where they combine quality of life outside the womb, Pastor Jack, with protection of life in it. And then they prefer pretend like those two are morally equivalent. Yeah, and like they care. That's why they say, actually, Pastor Jack, have you seen the data that says democratic policies decrease abortion rates? Oh, yes, that's a big talking. So if you're really pro-life, you'll vote for the Democratic Party, the party of abortion. So there's a few... party of abortion. Yeah, but that's what they're saying, because they, they've combined... They, they view these two things as morally equivalent. Protection of life in the womb with quality of life outside the womb. Yep. That's ridiculous. Isn't that amazing? But let's take that, that statement. Here, there's a few problems with that. One, they conveniently ignore Jimmy Carter because under Jimmy Carter, Democrat, abortion skyrocketed. Yeah. So they, they just kind of filter him out of sight because yeah. it doesn't fit with the claim they're trying to yeah. make. The second problem with that is that abortion rates have actually been declining yes. across partisan presidents, across different administration presidents, for decades. Yes. But then, so it's like you got Republican, Democrat, Republican, Democrat, abortion rates going down the whole time, and then right. they go, democratic policies decrease abortions. No, no. You know what I believe is happening? Is the advent of science, technologies. That's right. The advent of technologies have allowed us now, over those decades, to look inside the womb, to look at conception, to watch. You know, it's amazing because, and I wish I could remember this guy's name, He, I know that he's a scientist out of MIT. Uh, he's had a, a huge Greek name. I'm so sorry for bringing this up, but it was, he did, he was commissioned out of MIT by NASA to write an algorithm for deep space surgery for wow. the, for space programs for the future. Hmm. And he does, it's on YouTube and you can look at their research that they did on conception in space. <laughs> and this guy's not a Christian. But he's, he, he, it was a TED Talk, hmm. and he gave a TED Talk, and here's the scientist. He kept referring to words like miraculous. It's beyond us. We've never seen anything like this. <laughs> right. It's remarkable. It's metered. It's controlled. It's engineered. He's giving all of these, right? right? right. And intelligent so, design Intelligent terms. design terms. It was fascinating. He actually caused me to glorify God at the end of his TED Talk. <laughs> My point is this. Uh, the abortion argument... Uh, they're saying, it's just tissue, it's nothing. And yet, all of those are emotional declarations because science screams <laughs> right. the other. So with the advent of technology, we're seeing younger and younger generations say, that's wrong to kill something that's living. The sperm's alive, the egg's alive, that's right. they collide, it's life. And science, if it's ever going to exterminate a life, it's for research purposes, and That's even right. then, and there's Jack, a lot of questions. And if it's just a tissue, it's just a blob of tissue, then why is Planned Parenthood harvesting very specific body parts and very limbs specific. to sell on the black market? Interesting, suddenly they're not tissue, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's wild. But to go back to the silly sense, <laughs> because I really want to debunk it for your listeners, because I'm getting messages all the time now from people sending me the data of abortion rates decreasing during Democratic administrations, and they go, what should I do to this stuff? How should I think about this? Right. Listen, it's a straw man argument. The goal of the pro-life movement is not to decrease the abortion rate. <laughs> the goal of the pro-life movement is to make abortion illegal right. and unthinkable. Right. So there's only two questions the pro-lifer has to ask at this point. Right. Does the Democratic Party want to make abortion illegal and unthinkable? Yeah, yeah. Well, let's start with illegal. illegal. Um, insert laugh track. 
Cons considering yes. it's part of their yes. platform to protect it, right. then I'm going to go with no. How about unthinkable? Well, considering they participate in the euphemistic bigotry of referring to image right. bearers of God, human beings, as blobs of tissue right. and uh, skin cells, I'm also going to go with no. See, Aristotle once said that statecraft is soulcraft. And what mm. he meant by that That's was that, good. yes, you know, culture is downstream from politics, but also politics can play a role in shaping culture and the cultural conscience of a nation. So what he meant was that through its policies, the state actually prescribes what behaviors mm -hmm. are inappropriate or appropriate in a civilized society. And our laws show what we're willing to protect and value or not protect and throw in the trash. So how do we have proof of this, by the way? No fault divorce laws. Yeah, Divorces went sure. skyrocketed right family afterwards. Fell, family fell apart. Yep, same with abortion. In 1973, after it was legalized, yeah. did you know abortion rates went from 98,000 median, average 98,000 median, a year of illegal abortions. Ready for 1973, 1974? 1.6 million. Oh, clearly law influenced behavior. Right, so when we tell the next generation this thing is legal, we have a really silly tendency as humans to assume it's moral. Yeah. And so then that behavior skyrockets. So if we want to restore personhood and the legal protections to unborn children, then we actually have to participate in the political process of relegating what type of actions are appropriate or inappropriate in a civilized society. Yeah. And that does have an impact on culture. It does have an impact yeah. on those who choose to procure or not procure yeah. an abortion. It's amazing because uh, many will say, you've heard this before, is you can't, how dare you guys, you can't legislate morality. And yet, my freeway says I can't go over 65. All laws legislate morality. Absolutely. Absolutely. All down to tax rates. It actually will become yes. like a, a, of what is moral to tax people or not. Exactly. All laws legislate morality. Exactly. So like so many arguments, like you said earlier, it's good. It's a straw man position. Uh, why, why, Seth, is the argument by the left so passionate uh, especially right now, by the t at the time of this podcast, uh, Amy Barrett is mm -hmm. is being uh, reviewed yeah. and, and confirmed right now. Right. What's what's the deal? Why why all of the passion? Yeah. Over this, I'll tell you why. Religious people look to God for their religious right. needs, and the left looks to politics and politicians to fill that same hole. True. That's exactly what they do. And, and it really is a religion to the left. I mean, leftism is a religion. That's right. It's based on secular humanism, but it has a worldview and it has religious ideas. And their, their religious view of personhood um, suggests that the real you is not your body. The real you is not your you know, you sitting in front of me. The real you is your consciousness or your aims or your desires. It's a philosophical concept called body self-dualism. Yeah. And this is the religious view of personhood that the wow. left holds. This is why, by the way, they can say, and this will help us make sense of why the left holds certain positions. This is why, for example, they'll say, if you're a boy, but you think you're a girl, then that's the real you. The real you is not you sitting in front of me that I'm looking at. Yeah, the this. real you is something in your consciousness and how you feel your emotions. That's what can, can lead them to say, the real you is a little girl yeah. if you feel like that. It's also the same worldview that leads them to say, the baby in the womb is not a person. Yeah. Because they ground personhood yeah. in functionalism, your functions yeah. and capacity. So your desires, sure. your desire to go on living, your relationships, not their human nature. Right. So they have all these very religious ideas. I mean, leftism is a religion. And so they look to politics to maintain yeah. their ideology and the type of worldview they want to enshrine yeah. in America. And this is why RBG gets rolled out as the notorious RBG 
right after Trump gets elected. Yeah. The left already loved her, but this whole line of paraphernalia and yeah, all this stuff right, right. didn't happen until Trump because then she was seen as the savior yeah, yeah, upholding right. women's rights, meaning not meaning, you know, abortion, not yeah, unborn women's yeah. rights, hold, withholding that up against the, you know, the uh, theocracy that a Trump administration right. would be. So that's why we all have these religious needs, but where are we turning to to fill them? And the right. left turns to politics. Right. It's amazing because I'm going to, this is going to sound nuts to the viewer, but if we could take away Donald Trump, let's just take away Trump and let's, in, let's insert, well, we could, we could do this. Let's forget Trump ever existed and Mike Pence is the president. Uh, and he, he holds a pro-life view. Yeah. Um, it's not because everybody says, Trump, Trump, Trump. Right. Wait a minute. If it wasn't Trump, it would be Pence. And they would hate him just as they much. They would hate him just as much. I'm gonna, and you know why. I'm going to say why in a sec. Well, let's remove Pence. Pastor, you picked on a very religious man. Pick somebody. Okay, let's pick a, an absolute uh, atheist. Yep. And he's a president. And That's he right. says, you know what? I'm an atheist, and I'm into science. Looked at the science. Can't kill babies. Yeah, yeah. They would hate him. That's right. They would hate him just like they hate Trump mm -hmm. because their control yep. and their priesthood. That's right. The priesthood is the Democrat Party. Yeah. It's threatened. And abortion is a sacrament to the left. It's their greatest sacrament, right? And babies become it acceptable is. sacrifices on the altar Absolutely. of reproductive justice. But I'm so glad what you just brought up, uh, Pastor Jack, because it plays into a larger critique that we hear or justification we hear from Christians for why they won't support the president. And you actually alluded to it. I don't know if you did, but I'm going to show you. So people say, I can't support President Trump because of my Christian witness. You know this one, right? See, if I vote for president, even though we're trying to end the genocide of baby image bearers in a yeah. womb that Christ once dwelled in, and then everything else and all the other rights that flow from the right to life, and of course, there's many other reasons we support the president, <laughs> yeah. but let's just stay on life right now. They'll say, yeah. I can't support him even though he'll protect babies and literally save them from human dismemberment because of my witness. If I yeah. do that, people will um, write off Christianity and the pagans that I'm trying to work to love and convert I'll lose that evangelistic opportunity because of my political support for President Trump. Okay, pause. Exactly. The reason they think that, and I'm sure you hear this all the time, Pastor, is because of his personality, yeah. right? They say, well, there's so much vitriol for President Trump because, and then sometimes they'll craft political myths because he called Mexicans, all Mexicans rapists, and you know we can get into the fake news coverage of that. But just generally, it's his personality right. and persona right. that is so off-putting, and so it's because of that. But then I pause and I ask these people, I say, do you really think they would love Pence more? I don't think so. There's I don't no think that the level of vitriol and hatred towards his president has as much to do with his personality and oh, his yeah. loose mouth as it does with his policies. Absolutely. I'm not saying it has nothing to do with his loose mouth. I'm saying it has far more to do with his policies. So if it was Pence, they would hate him just as much. So then the question, a question for our pro-life Christian friends who say they can't vote for him because of their witness would be, but if they hated Pence just as much, would you make the same argument? Right. And if you did, then what you're really telling me is that babies are... Uh, babies are worth being sacrificed on your contrived image of your witness. Right. That is evil. That is selfish. That is prideful. In fact, if Trump were to flip and a couple weeks out from the election says, I had an epiphany and I'm pro-choice now. Or he could say he's a woman because then the left would have to support him, right? Oh my gosh, they would have to support him. They could not But they wouldn't because he's still pro-life. Yeah, exactly. He's, he, 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 he's a threat to their greatest exactly sacrament. Exactly that. Yeah, so you and I as Christians, we understand that behind the scenes are spiritual powers. Oh yeah. There are, according to the Bible, the Bible teaches us clearly that there are demonic and angelic forces 
behind the physical scenes that you and I see. Yeah. Isn't it interesting that people who otherwise would, would never be in the same room with each other will gather together to uh, deplore hmm. uh, Trump's policies? Right. By the way, it's kind of interesting to realize because um, we know this, we just saw this data. It's actual data. Uh, in fact, it's, it's, the, it's the best that we've seen in decades and decades, and that is most Americans gave President Trump a 50-something percent approval number of just their quality of life since he was elected. Hmm. It's a remarkable number. In yeah. fact, very few presidents have, after their first term, uh, had, ha have enjoyed this number. What's interesting, the liberal, the leftist, the progressive, would have to stop and say, um, no, we're, we're making more money, right. we got jobs. No, 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 that's really good. It kind of reminds me of when they picked up stones to kill Jesus. Right. Jesus said, wait, why are you going to throw stones at me for all the good works I've done? <laughs> right. and, they, and you can see them in a windup. They got rocks <laughs> and they're going, no, 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 not for the good works you've done. <laughs> we're going to kill you because you've declared yourself God being right. a man. Right. It wasn't that all oh, your policies have been great except abortion. Right. Notice they love their pocketbooks lined. Yep. So many things they would have loved a Democrat president to do, but sure. it didn't happen. Okay. But this issue, this should show everyone yeah. that the issue is life. And I argue as a pastor, behind the issue of life is a demonic and angelic world battling. <laughs> I really a, do. That's a heavy word. And because think about it, it, Satan is always behind the killing of children. He always has been. Satan is the dragon in Revelation waiting to devour Jesus as Mary's giving birth. Yeah, always has Satan been. was behind the killing of babies in Egypt by yep. Pharaoh and by Herod in Bethlehem. Exactly. He's exactly. always behind the killing of babies. And as I'm fond of saying, Satan actually doesn't care the yeah. name of the God that you sacrifice your children no, to. No, no he way. may have been Molech in the Old Testament, but he's happy to go by the names of convenience, exactly. education, money, and career well-being exactly. today. Yeah. As long as you continue to shove children down yeah. his throat, he'll, exactly be, he'll be satisfied. Exactly that. Normally, I would never say this. I've never been much of an advocate for a one, one topic, one issue vote. But it's different this time, isn't it? We've got a vote where somebody may have never voted before in their life. I would say to them, this is the, this is the time for you to vote, right? That's right? Because this issue, if you believe in God, it's very possible that if this nation turns on this issue that God may have mercy on America, mm, yeah. right? right? What would you say to that? That, oh, you know, Seth, um, I don't know if I'm going to vote. I don't know if my vote matters. And um, one, one issue, really? I can do that? What would you say to somebody? Right. So I always want to get to the status or the heart of the matter, right? The heart of the matter from someone who says that, that I can't vote single issue, at least not on abortion, because we could name other issues that they would become single issue voters right. on. The heart of the matter there is a either a hard or soft bigotry in how they view unborn children. Either a hard bigotry in the sense that they don't believe they're persons at all and have no right mm. to life whatsoever, and they would call and themselves- And there's pride involved a, in that logic. Absolutely. Gross pride. And they would call themselves a pro-choice activist. That would be sort of a form of hard bigotry. A soft bigotry approach to get to the heart of the matter for someone who would say that would be the kind of personally pro-life individual, and you know people like this. They say mm -hmm. something like this. Yeah. I'm personally pro-life. I wouldn't get an abortion. I don't believe in it. 
but I don't think we should make it illegal. Yeah. I don't think it's my place to legislate my morality. Exactly. So they have a soft bigotry wow. of the unborn. Why is it a little softer? Because they're granting to some level that the unborn is human, maybe with some human rights, but not not to the same degree that I born know, people have. I right? know that that I know that there's a guy in that house that's burning. But he's not a very good basketball player. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. So we'll just let it go. Yeah, they don't view them as full person. Same thing. Exactly. So it's a little bit of a softer bigotry. But that's what I want to get at, right? And so that's why I'll use questions like, if you were in 1850 America, would you maintain or suggest that you can't vote for the Republican Party because that would be treating slavery as a litmus test of the republic and therefore well, you would be voting single issue. And of course they would say no. They would say it would be my moral it would be a moral imperative for me to use my political voice and vote to protect slaves and work to end slavery. So we live in a republic. I love what you just said. We live in a republic. It's 1860. And I have the opportunity to vote vote for president. I have an opportunity to once that president's in right. to influence the vote of to go to war or not. That's right. Do we go to war against the South? Let's vote. Well, where would these people have been on that vote? Right. If they would have said, well, I abstain. I'm going to be quiet on this. Pilot. Right. Well, I don't want to vote for war, because who could be for war, even though the result of the war, if we win, it could set the blacks free. I'm not willing to take that chance. Right. So let's condemn, my, by my apathy, and disengagement, let's condemn the blacks to perpetual slavery. That's right. It is a choice of convenience. That's right. What we're trying to do, I assume, right? We're trying to jar people out of their slumber. Yep. And yeah, exactly. Wake them up that they do not vote feeling or political correctness, but they vote, I mean this, desperately, yeah. like running into that building that's on fire to carry yeah. the guy out on your shoulders. In this case, it is taking a stand finally once and for all and being able to look God in the face on judgment and say, right. I did what I, look, you went to the cross and died for the sins of the world. Right. I went to the voting box and I voted right. to put an end That's right. to this barbaric, barbaric well, and These people, politically speaking, and I, you know, this is a heavy phrase, a heavy comment I'm going to make, but politically speaking, these Christians in particular, Pastor Jack, are the Levite and the priest in the parable of the Good Samaritan. Yeah, exactly Politically right. speaking, they, they exactly are, because they say, they walk by on the other yeah. side of the road and they go, look, a million, bleeding, a million bleeding babies every year, they don't deserve legal protections. Yeah. I've told pastors, who do you think you are, the Holy Spirit? Oh. Your role is to preach truth yep. graciously, yep. but truthfully, and leave the results to God. So exactly. this, this obsession in their own minds right. where they are the ones bringing conviction. Because right. let's be honest, that's that's the assumption. Because they're saying, if I preach on abortion, I will drive away people who are visiting, who need the gospel, who need the conviction of the Holy Spirit. So in other words, you're saying that you have to contrive the situation in which the oh Holy Spirit gosh, brings conviction of sin. If you do that, Unreal. you've got to keep it up. You're the one carrying your church. Yeah. Plus, no way. In the po if, if we don't preach truth for the possibility of offense, you literally just cut the legs off of the Great Commission. You yeah. literally just ruined your church's yeah. evangelistic arm yeah. because the yep. gospel, when faithfully preached, is offensive. Amen. Okay, let's end with this. Uh, Paul said to Timothy, O Timothy, guard to what has been committed to your trust, avoiding profane and idle babblings and contradictions of what is falsely called science. First <laughs> Timothy 6.20. Wow. What a brilliant statement. That's brilliant. Seth, we love you. Keep standing, brother. Uh, we're so proud of you. God bless you. Thank you, Pastor God James. Bless. Thank you awesome. for your voice.